Good morning. This is Doc Scott with my 90-day devotional, uh, No More Cycles. I had to think for a minute. And this is day 27, I believe. So, um, well, if I didn't get that right, we'll be able to tell when I go to post it. Um, at any rate, so I felt like today I would need to talk and tell you about the story. Where's the picture? Of how we adopted our son. That's Rodney. Uh, he looks so much better than me. Okay. Um, at any rate, I just felt like that was what the Lord said um, to kind of tell you. And because, essentially, when we connect with, um, you know, adoption is one way that we come out of um, shame. But there's also this thing of beauty out of ashes that essentially... Um, what God does in devastation and in ashes is he brings beauty out of it, which is really something that really is a shame buster in and of itself. Because when he takes everything that's crashed and burned, you know, it's the whole Romans eight twenty eight thing. It's never a guarantee that bad things don't happen. It just means that, that God can redeem all that happens and that he... He returns. There's an investment in heaven on returning all the things that were lost. And in that context, I think heaven's interest is a lot better than our own. So it always puts us in this place where we have to trust God for what redemption looks like. Redemption doesn't come according to our plan. It doesn't necessarily come... Um, it doesn't come always in the way that we want it because we're we're kind of revenge oriented and you know I want to get justified I want to be vindicated I want to be this I want to be that and honestly that's not God's way God's way is to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could think or ask and essentially um, he does more than what we could ever imagine and he also knows the desires of our heart better than we do. Sometimes the things that I know I desire are just my own way. And so, but anyway, to my son. To back that story up, I have to say that, um, good morning, Derek. <laughs> I, had, I have to say that it started actually two and a half years before I was divorced. I've been married to the love of my life for 20 years plus. But prior to that, when I was in my first marriage, I was desperate and I went to, um, I took a trip to go to Florida and I went to um, Rodney Howard Brown's meeting and a meeting in um, Mel uh, Melbourne with uh, Michael Thompson. When I went to the Rodney Howard Brown meeting that particular night, or actually that afternoon, the angels had sang. There were no instruments in the room being played, but there was music and he was playing the actual video of that. And um, it was really, it was actually really interesting. So years after I was married to my love of my life, we were talking about 1995 and what we were doing. And we realized we were both at the same meeting when the angels sang that day. And um, that night my wife stayed with their prophetic team and essentially my future, then to be future wife, like two and a half years down the road, 
they gave her a prophetic word that she was going, there was a man that was going to come into her life, essentially, that had three daughters and that there would be a son. They didn't know what that part looked like, but they definitely thought the man with three daughters was coming. So when we met in Savannah at a pastor's luncheon that my pastor invited us both to, how ironic, um, that's where that started. So we, she had that we, she had that promise. And so we, um, we went through a season of life before. What brought us to Brunswick was everything in our life, in our prior location, just crashed and burned. I call it the perfect storm of the enemy. So the enemy came in and basically leveled us and everything, you know, every kind of devastation, you know, the enemy knows how to orchestrate a, a, a storm in such a way that the goal of it is to take you out. And honestly, a lot of us have been there. And if you get through the storm, one of the ways that you actually pass the test, so to speak, are actually one of the things that's the biggest thing that comes out of that is if you are still standing when you come out. And we were, we were a mess, but we were still standing. And so we had been leveled and, um, and we came here and this is where we started over was in Brunswick, Georgia, which is where we got our son. So to move that story along, um, Rodney was in my um, homeroom and later he was in my English class. And so I remember in my English class, he was, um, he was a very active young man. I remember him being all over the room and I was just like, Rodney, sit down. And he went into this, yes, Massa, I be a good boy. I sit down and I was like, out. <laughs> My students knew if you got outside the door, <laughs> if, right? Thanks, Derek. Um, My students knew that if you got outside the door, it was a conversation, it wasn't right up. So at any rate, um, got to know him a little bit better in his 10th grade year and when he was in my class and we started to build a rapport and in the context of that rapport um he came and told me uh something about something that he got accused of with a girl and so i was like okay i get it and he was all upset about it and i just looked at him and i said you're forgiven and he didn't know what to do with that and then a little while later, there was an incident with the phone and he got blamed for it, you know, et cetera. And um, he came again, all bent out of shape. Um, right, they're probably a lot more obvious too, right? Exactly. Anybody that's been leveled and burned and started over, raise your hand. Okay. Um, so anyway, um, he came again and my response was the same. You're forgiven. And so um, here we were. I think he got something from me that he wasn't fully anticipating. And I remember as that year moved forward, my wife and I, Derek was a part of this, we started praying about a ministry downtown, you know, like what could we do to kind of give out, to try to do something to invest? And I had asked Rodney, if I were to, um, if I wanted to pray for some people and just kind of go into a neighborhood and pray for people, where would I go and would you go with me? So while he was still my student, we went to Hopkins Homes where he grew up, which is a project down the street from our school. And literally took me to the place he grew up and we just knocked on doors. You know, I had my teacher ID on and it was like, here we are, you know? And um, so all we did was basically knock on doors and say, hey, is there any way we could pray for you? And 
you know, I could say this because I just told you my son's African-American, but black culture, when we say we're going to pray, it's like everybody comes downstairs. No one's going to miss a blessing. So it was like profoundly rewarding because people just received and it was just awesome. Well, it birthed into a ministry where we ended up, I mean, we called it pizza and prayer, Friday night fire, whatever it was, but we would take pizzas down there, down to the same, um, same project and basically um, knock on doors. Anybody want pizza? Anybody want, you know, um, you know, Coke? Can we pray for you? And that kind of cemented something in our relationship. And so then as that summer came about, the summer before his junior year, um, we still, we were still having some interaction with him. And we, I had noticed that he was like living with a former friend. He was living out of a backpack, you know, basically. And um, family background, it was extraordinarily um, rough and challenging. The family were drug lords and he was groomed basically to never have an emotion because emotions are liabilities. And I won't go into all that stuff with the abuse and whatnot, but it was, it was all there. So at any rate, we, um, that summer, I knew he was kind of staying with another former student who had a, a, a girlfriend and a baby and he was missing football practice to watch kids. And I'm like, my wife and I are like, that's not good. This is part of his future. So, um, I remember, I think we, we came, he, we invited him to come hang out with us. No, before he came to us, we got a phone call middle of the night, two in the morning and it's ringing, ringing, ringing. And I'm like, I'm not answering that. I'm not really good at waking up in the middle of the night. My wife's like, it's probably Rodney. You might want to get it. Sure enough, it was Rodney. And he had taken this young man's car out at, um, good morning at 15 years old and hit a pothole on St. Simon's Island and blew out the tire. So I was, I was irritated, but I was like, okay, if you've got a place to stay tonight, stay there. I'll see you tomorrow at seven. And I showed up the next morning. He was <laughs> just sweating, trying to get the lug nuts off that car. And um, I, I helped him then. And then I think we, after that, we kind of invited him to stay for a week at our house that summer. And he was 15 years old at the time. He's 20 now and he's a junior in college. But um, at any rate, he, he agreed and he basically was calling us mom and dad from the start. And so when we got to the end of that summer, got closer to the time when school would start again, we kind of just said, you know, Rodney, if you want us to have influence this way, we're going to have to, um, I can't do the thing where I'm going to grandma's house, to this person's house. I can't do the shuffle. You're going to have to pick a place that you want to be and be there. And he wanted to be where we are. And our joke is he never left, um, which is kind of fun. And so anyway, you know, during this time, my wife and I were kind of evaluating that promise. You know, I think I'll get this wrong and she'll correct me. But there were two experiences that we had early on because we were going to adopt a son before our life crashed and burned. And we lost all the money in the adoption and like all that. So we were like, okay, dream, crashed, burn, done. I think it's always amazing how God um, doesn't let those things die easy. Um, but at any rate, um, she had seen a, a, a kid in our, you know, by our bathroom in the hallway calling her mom. It was like an encounter she had with Jesus. I had had an encounter in the yard one day mowing, which is just like, you know, place to process, right? 
And the Lord basically said, I want you to tell me everything you want and don't be religious and don't filter it. You know, because we're our temptation, well, Lord, if it's your will, you know, he's like, uh-uh, just out of your mouth. And so one of the things I said out of my mouth was, okay, if you've got a son, then for us, then bring him. Um, um, but we're not going to go look for him. So, you know, when he was living with us during the summer and we were starting the school year, it was like, okay, uh, I think we got, I got a picture here. This might be what um, you're doing. So the fall started, and the short version of this part was there was an incident that happened in the, fa in the um, family home, you know, with his um, biological grandma. And we ended up um, going from a Friday to a Monday having custody of him. So we already had custody. We had not adopted him, but we were the legal guardians. And so as we went along, I remember, and if I get choked up, I always do want to tell the story. I'm going to try not to today. But... Um, Anyway, he, I had heard from one of uh, my other teacher friends, you know, that Rodney was in the room today and he was talking about like adoption. And so when he came to the, um, came to see me at lunch that day, I was like, Rodney, you know that we could be like foster parents, you know, like we can, we can be, you know, that kind, you know, that kind of parent, like, I don't want you to feel like you have to, you know, be adopted by us or whatever, because, you know, adoption is a big deal. You get our name and, you know, it's just like a whole thing, you know, you actually get a new birth certificate and everything. It's like, and he said, um, essentially that that's what he wanted and that it would be his honor. So we're back here behind the desk is both boo-hooing because I'm like, oh, okay. Anyway, and um, so he, I said, well, how soon would you want that to happen? He said, well, as soon as possible. So I was like, we were like, okay. And so our first goal, his mom had been incarcerated most of his life. Our first goal was to try to get her to come on board and just basically bless her son. You know, if you haven't seen the movie Secondhand Lions, it's kind of like a scene from that movie where the kid's on the bridge with his mother who's always out doing whatever He's living with two uncles and he jumps out of the car. She's like, what's going on with you? And he says, I just want you to do something for me once. And she agrees to let him go. And that's what we were looking for. But it never was going to happen. It never panned out. Like it, we, she, we kept trying to put it in motion. And finally, we just went ahead and filed for it. So on May 26th of his junior year, he was official. And so when we went to the attorney's office, he... She asked him, you know, okay, we're doing your birth certificate. Like, is there anything you want to change? You know, this is your opportunity because his last name was going to change. And he looked at his mom and I and he said, what would you have called me if I was born to you? And we said, Samuel. So he changed his name, middle name to Samuel so that he's Rodney Samuel Infante. So it's, a, it's actually a pretty incredible story, and it goes on from there, and I'll probably touch on it. From I just felt like I needed to go ahead and share it, though, and because here is the hope. Jesus doesn't forget what he's promised. He does not let go of even what we let go of. It doesn't always come in the form that we want it to. We started one, in fact, a lot of things that God is birthing in us start off as shadows and types of things. In other words, they're things that he's doing, but they're not necessarily the thing 
that it's going to come and look like that, but we get a chance to kind of touch on something that he's doing and we get to engage with it on a level. But it's almost like a prophetic um, picture of something that's coming. And so um, I had never done anything with football in my entire life. And I had, you know, now I have an African-American son who's an incredible athlete. And here's me. You know, I can't chew gum and walk as you guys saw it on Sunday. Um, at any rate, so I, I was just real simple in that whole process. I was like, okay, Lord, um, I looked up all of these Christian colleges on, in the national collegiate Christian collegiate thing, went to their websites, made sure they were actually Christian colleges. And I put together a part of his story and, um, his film for him, for them to look at. And essentially I sent it to every position coach in the, in the, on the team. And followed up with phone calls, and before I knew it, we had coaches, um, basically head coaches, calling me back. And I presented that I wanted, um, of course, to get my son adopted, but I, I mean, um, recruited, but also wanted to get Glen Academy, our school, on that map because Christian schools hadn't previously kind of recruited here. And so at the time, he was there were four schools that were looking at him, and. We were like, the prayer was real specific. Okay, Lord, um, he needed an 18 on the ACT, had a 17 at the time. And the school that both accepts him to the university and offers him, that's the door we're going to walk through out of the four. And so one day on my way to Starbucks, which if you do anything and it's on the way to Starbucks, you gotta, you should have a little ding, 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 go on in your mind. It's Jesus, right? Because I am convinced that if Jesus were here today, he would love Starbucks and he would love his iPhone. I'm just saying. Not a droid. Have to be an iPhone. Um, but anyway, um, on my way to Starbucks, I get a phone call from the coach. And he's like, I have good news and good news. And I'm like, great. He said he's been accepted to the university and we have an offer for him. The other prayer was that he would be the first to sign and that he would take others with him. He was the first to sign. And he took his childhood friend, Tommy Craig, with him. And they both went to Olivet Nazarene University on a scholarship. So it's just a very um, powerful story of redemption. There's been a lot to walk through in the process, you know, on both sides. You know, we were all doing parenting teenager, you know, 101 in a cauldron. And in this much time, you know, we, we had, this is what we have for influence. And it was... But I, I can say that he has evolved and continues to evolve into a man that is incredible, incredible young man. And we love him to death. And of course, essentially, this is a, this is a kid that could talk about his emotions today. This is a kid that can actually articulate things when the only thing he ever knew was rage. And so it's, it's, it's changed as he's evolved. There were so many times in the middle of that where... There were times when we just didn't know what to say. And sometimes I had to just, you know, for me, I would just say, look, I have, this is what I know is true. Because when you really don't know, have the right answer. And it's kind of this thing, like, you don't always have to have the right answer. But I said the thing that's true. I love you. And I'm not going anywhere. And I think that was one of the things that played out in his life. He saw that mom and I weren't going anywhere. 
and that no matter what he did or what he got into, whatever was happening, how hard or whatever it was, in places, a lot of joy in there too, but um, we weren't going to go anywhere. And so I think part of the goal today was I wanted to leave you with this. Out of the ashes, beauty is wrought. And out of every promise that has gone crashing to the ground, Jesus is still redeeming it all. Nothing is ever lost on him. Nothing. Nothing is ever lost. He remembers it all. He knows what happens. And he is still faithful to fulfill what he said he was going to do. Some of us, our dreams got wrecked. And we're in that place of resurrection. About to have that heavy wind blowing on the dry, valley of dry bones. And I just want to say this. Don't let go of the dream and don't let go of the promise because God is doing something in it and he is working all things together for good. It is sometimes incomprehensible to think about how he redeems certain things. You know, we look at, well, how much time we have here? We look at this, we say, oh, maybe we're too old for this. Maybe this is too late in the game, yada, yada, yada. Look, it's never late in the game and Jesus is adamant about fulfilling the promises that he's made. And so if you've been contending from disappointment for a long time, I want you just to receive hope. Because this, how does this relate to shame? Hope restored is a shame buster. When, there, when everything crashes and burns, the only place that we come out of that one, the way that we end up feeling when we come out of that is we always come out of that with something is wrong with us. We must be defective. When Jesus restores, he not only restores what was lost, he restores who we are. And he tells us again who we are. And, and that is so profoundly healing when we connect with the very promise of God and the things when he is, his faithfulness in itself is a shame buster. So let's just pray this. Father, I just ask that, um, I ask that every hope and dream that's been crushed, I ask that you would resurrect them. But Lord, I'm also asking that you would give us the grace to be able to see something new, even in the resurrection. Father, we give you permission to take that which was destroyed and out of that rubble, out of those ashes, to resurrect what's you. And to not resurrect something that you're not into or something that we cling to. But Father, you know our hearts better than we do. And I'm asking you to resurrect the very thing that you want to restore. That you are in the restoring and restoration business. And I thank you, Jesus that interest for you is compounded in heaven. And when you restore what's lost, Lord Jesus, you restore it abundantly, exceedingly beyond all that we could think or ever imagine. Blessings, guys. guys. <laughs> Blessings, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow at 7.